0: Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. You are listening to episode 44, titled Dismantling Toxic Grief Support. This is a little bit of a different episode because we might be a bit unfamiliar with the idea of toxic support correct (laughs) we know the phrase toxic positivity but it shifts a little bit when it applies specifically to grief and so this week we're going to talk about five ways that toxic grief support can show up in our role as a grief supporter and how we can disarm the toxicity and retrain ourselves and others to do no harm So this episode is really for the grief supporters among us, which, okay, we know that is all of us. Obviously, at some point, we are all in the role supporting another person going through loss. If you're a griever right now, it's okay to skip this episode. Just bookmark it. Come back the next time you're in a supporting role. Toxic grief support is similar to toxic positivity in that we have this idea of what healthy grieving looks like. A lot of the time you can tell someone is going to step into a role of toxic grief support when they use the binary of good and bad. For example, maybe you've disclosed that you've been sleeping a lot more in your grief process or haven't been able to find the motivation you need to stick with your gym schedule. And the response you get is, oh, that's not good. Or maybe the response is something along the lines of, Um, it's really bad for you to be skipping the gym. You know those routines are good for your health mentally and physically. You need to be doing them. Listen, those aren't completely wrong statements, and there are going to be people in your life that you've invited into a corrective space and relationship like that. Those are people who, ahead of time, you've been clear with about what's okay to say to you and what's not. I know in my life there have absolutely been seasons where I've skipped my gym regimen, but I also know that people with permission to speak into my life know much better than to use shame and point out that I'm making bad choices. Okay, so let's get into what toxic grief support looks like. Essentially, it's the decision we make to cast judgments against someone else's grief process because we don't feel it's an appropriate response. Maybe our friends can't meet the expectations we've set for ourselves in grief, so we're inappropriately holding them to our standards. And we have a lot of cultural norms around grief and grieving that are ingrained in our behaviors. It's why we avoid discomfort and offer platitudes and other minimizing behaviors. I think by now you are probably familiar with toxic grief support and some examples might be coming to mind. So let's talk about the ways it might be showing up in how we support others. Have you ever encouraged someone to just move on? Because that's toxic. If your experience showed you that grief took a certain period of time, then that's a truth for you for that specific grief event. It won't be true the next time grief enters your story. Do you know how I know that? Because you also know it deep down in your guts. You've experienced active grieving for certain losses that lasted maybe a day or two, and you've experienced in ways that has lasted for years. Even as a grief professional, my own experiences are with loss are wildly erratic when it comes to the timeframes. And no one has a right to insist that a person move on, not to mention the fact that move on is an incredibly problematic statement all on its own. Maybe you've started describing your friend as overly dramatic or too emotional. Judgments about their character and their behaviors, right? Maybe they have bigger reactions right now because all of their emotions are very raw and right under the surface what seems like an overreaction to you might simply be a manifestation of an overstimulated nervous system asking for help. But if you're too busy judging their response and their experience in life, how will you be able to help them without causing more harm? Another way we demonstrate toxic grief support is by criticizing the details or the information that the griever shares. Do you remember that phrase TMI that we all used to use and like, probably the 90s, maybe the 2000s, maybe you think someone is sharing TMI, too much information about their grief story because they need attention. Or maybe you think they're uncomfortable and making other people uncomfortable to make themselves feel better. Or maybe it's just making you uncomfortable and so you call it inappropriate. Are you criticizing that person? I do want to take a little moment here as an aside and point out that this part really depends on context. Within Grief support. If you are in the context of a one on one relationship and someone's giving you a ton of information, that's not inappropriate. But it might be an opportunity for you to ask questions about what they need and how you can help them find some resources that you aren't able to offer. That can be uncomfortable being asked to do something that's outside of your skill set or your comfort level of what you've offered as their supporter. But in general, when people are sharing publicly, in a way that they feel like sharing, you have no right to step in and tell them you need to stop. The next demonstration of toxic grief support is so common, we often don't even recognize it as harmful. But we criticize people who are grieving because they're not being as expressive as we expect them to. Again, they fail to meet our expectations. Maybe they're crying too much, or they're not crying enough. Maybe they haven't cried at all. Do you remember the holiday? It was one of my mom's favorite movies and Cameron Diaz's character just can't cry. I think I've even talked about that on the podcast before. (laughs) It's so real. Maybe the person doesn't even feel sad that they've experienced a loss. Maybe they feel relief. A few interviews back on this podcast, we spoke with Bill Cohen, who is a specialized educator with working with caregivers to help them create support for themselves as they care for ailing family members. It's not uncommon for caregivers to feel immense relief when the person they are caring for dies. The buildup of anticipatory grief, the exhaustion through their illness, the unending demand on their time and emotional and physical resources, all coalesce to exhaust caregivers to the point that they've done all they can do to grieve before the death even comes. Of course, there will be grief after the event itself, but it'll be different and too easy to condemn if you're not carefully considering the way that you treat grievers. And lastly, we tend to ghost people when we feel like our support is being rejected. Or maybe you reject them because you have no understanding of why they're still grieving when they've been offered all these different supports. This goes back to the time frame thing, but it also speaks to your willingness to be patient with process. There's no timeline on grief, and we know that it is cyclical in nature, but treating a friend as no longer worthy of your time or attention because they are failing to meet your expectation of who they should be is among the most toxic grief support that exists. Because this goes simply beyond minimizing their fears or pain or offering them a platitude to move on in the conversation. This is flat out rejecting their perception of their world and their work to find a new sense of self in their new normal. It's harsh. I get it. I know this has been a bit of an intense episode, but please hear my heart. (laughs) I want grievers in your life to feel so completely safe with you. I want you to become such a haven of comfort and compassion that you are fully comfortable running into the chaos with the people that you love who are hurting, not out of an obligation or a social pressure that you have placed and internalized on yourself. I want you to become that curious heart in someone's life where they know they can be safe to have no answers, to have no sense of up from down, and to have no fear of judgment. So if you relate to some of these toxic grief support examples, and I do as the professional, I still check myself for this stuff all the time. Here are three things I want you to do. Number one, I want you to keep listening to this podcast. Self-plug, seeking support as a grief supporter and on behalf of yourself as a present or future griever is going to ingrain those helpful behaviors and attitudes towards loss By practicing a better way, you mitigate harm against yourself and others every time you will encounter grief going forward. And that's true whether or not you're actively supporting someone's grief process or simply observing from a distance. Number two, I want you to learn how to listen to others with patience for their process. I am inherently an impatient person. I love progress and I love growth and I struggle with stillness. But I have no right to hear another person's grief story or criticize and condemn their conclusions or their experience. If I truly want to be an authentic grief supporter, I need to listen to the person grieving with curiosity and compassion. And number three, I want you to ask appropriate questions when you are invited to do so. What do I mean by appropriate questions? Well, the first and most appropriate question is, may I ask you some questions about this? Or put another way, Do you want me to ask you some questions so you can talk about this a bit more? Or do you just need me to hear you and hold some sacred space for you to process? Let me tell you, there is nothing that I have seen that upsets a well-intentioned grief supporter more than being told to shut up. We get so defensive and that's because we're used to being allowed to center ourselves in someone else's story. We often think we have the answer about how long grief should last or what spiritual practices are the most beneficial for grievers. But the truth is, we only know what has worked well for us. Maybe we're not even sure what works for us, but on the way over to you, we Googled it really quickly, so I'm sure we found the best resources. Listen, if you're given the opportunity to ask questions, appropriate questions are necessary. That means it's not your place to ask if someone was vaccinated or whether or not they were sick for a long time. Appropriate questions fall under the category of, can you tell me more about them? What does support look like for you right now? Maybe an appropriate question would be investigating what role the griever would like you to play in their grief process. Because it turns out that becoming compassionately curious about what this person needs or wants to share is the most powerful position of support that you can take for a griever. And really, that's the only thing we're trying to do when we inadvertently get toxic with our grief support. We just want to be an encouragement. So this is our chance. Let's learn what it means to be truly an encouragement by listening with more compassion, curiosity, and patience for the process of others. Thank you for listening to episode 44 of Restorative Grief. Toxic grief support is really easy behavior to fall into. And that's simply because we're not always mindful about the words coming out of our mouths. Toxic positivity, minimizing, centering, and all the things we've talked about time and again on this show are versions of our own discomfort manifesting to the detriment of the people we love who are hurting. That's a lot. (laughs) So like I said, whether we are grieving right now or simply in a position to support someone else, doing the work equips us to make helpful decisions and kinder comments when we finally find ourselves face-to-face with loss. If this is one of your first times listening to Restorative Grief, thank you for being here. Welcome. And I hope you really found something meaningful in this conversation. I also want to remind all of you that a premium membership to Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart is now available for only $4.99 a month. You gain access to resources, one-on-one coaching sessions, exclusive interviews, and more with grievers, grief professionals, and everyone in between even if you can't keep up with all the bonus episodes, your financial support of this podcast is supporting access to grief literacy and resources for grievers all over who are listening and need that extra supportive community around them. So thank you beyond words for being a premium subscriber to the show. If you're listening and haven't considered subscribing yet, or maybe aren't quite sure about what kind of grief you need, you might also consider joining my free private coaching group online. Everything I do is for free, pretty much. (laughs) Um, And the Restorative Grief Project is hosted over on Facebook. There's always links in the show notes for that if you'd like to join as well, because we'd love to have you. This new subscription option for the podcast is one of the best ways to support me and keep it going for those of us who need it the most. So if that's not possible for you, please take time to leave a review wherever you listen, especially on Apple Podcasts. That's a great place. And share this episode with someone who might need some curious questions or clarity about healthy grief support of their own. And one last thing before you go, please remember, the only solution for grief is to do the work of grieving. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.